almost every artistic area has been completely co-opted by fiat mentality. And so maybe through Bitcoin, we can take back a lot of artistic fields and they can be treated with the reverence and respect that art truly deserves. This is the Bitcoin Muse, and I'm Clay Enos. In this episode, I'm joined by Asanoha, who, in his podcast debut, elaborates on his artistic origins, the allure of sacred geometry, the role of gold in his work, and he makes a passionate argument for the importance of taking self-custody of non-KYC Bitcoin. Links to all the topics mentioned and his art are in the show notes, so be sure to browse those at your leisure. This podcast is really trying to embrace and survive on the value-for-value model. Currently, the Bitcoin Muse is sponsor-free, and may always be that, let's see. I can't emphasize enough the important streaming and boosting sats make for my efforts, and I'm immensely grateful to those who've chosen to do so. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go ahead and download Fountain or Breeze from the App Store and listen to this show and start exploring what's being called Podcasting 2.0, or the value-for-value model. And thanks to those who have already boosted and streamed some sats this way. Now, Asanoha's strikingly graphic paintings are inspired by deep tradition that maps beautifully onto Bitcoin's mysteries and promise. As a true polymath who heard the call of the muses, he's making work that deftly wrestles with the conceptual and aesthetic challenges presented by Bitcoin, and for any number of reasons you'll hear us discuss, is positioned to stand the test of time. One of the joys and the premise of this podcast is to hear directly from artists as they articulate their intentions in the context of a culture that swirls dizzyingly around us and how that braids with their understanding of Bitcoin. I'm grateful Asanoha chose to share his time and energy doing that here. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you again for joining me today. I'm curious about your artist handle. My artist handle means hemp leaf in Japanese. It's a triangular tessellation, and it's a pattern that has been painted around statues of the Buddha for over a thousand years. I started noticing it, this specific pattern, which you see in a lot of my geometric artwork. I started noticing it about four years ago, and it turned up more and more often, and I became very intrigued, and, and I was just drawn to it. And so I looked it up and started learning a bit more about it. And it's a really amazing pattern. It's called the Asanoa pattern. It's a triangular tessellation and you can pull almost any shape out of it. Triangles, of course, but a Merkaba or a hexagon, the flower of life fits perfectly into it. Uh, I think it's a very beautiful pattern. And I think it, if not consciously, subconsciously reminds people that all things are connected when they see it, as I think a lot of sacred geometry reminds people similar things when they see it. It's been around for centuries, if not millennia. I know it from like kimono patterns and things like that. You saw it almost from a mathematical and spiritual perspective. Yes. And from an aesthetic perspective, I find it to be a very aesthetically pleasing. And I also have a deep appreciation for sacred geometry and mathematics and the design of this human experience and the universe that we are within. And I think that it's a pattern that is very easy to convey and to share that mystery and wonder without it being overtly woohoo or having any connotations to one thing or another. I find it's a very, very neutral pattern. It 
is on kimonos or you will find it on Japanese clothing, maybe babies, Japanese baby clothing. But it's also a pattern that if you see it, it looks really good in a lot of different settings. It doesn't make you think of any one or the other specific thing when you see it. I want to explore more of that, but let's step back a little bit. When did the arts call you? And when did you say to yourself, I'm an artist? Damn it. About four years ago, I decided I wanted to be a painter and that I wanted to make a living making art. I've worked uh, many different jobs. I started working when I was 14 years old. I never went to much school. I've been to almost every kind of schooling that there exists. Montessori, Sudbury, public, private, charter, no schooling, free schooling, homeschooling. And whenever I got bored with school, my parents would let me drop out and just free school, world school. And so I started working at a young age and I've been and I am a sushi chef. I started rolling sushi when I was 17 years old and I've done private catering. I've worked in three very nice sushi restaurants, sushi bars, and then I went on to do private catering. I've worked in a lot of construction, alternative construction, solar design and installation, shipping container fabrication, ag plan implementation, irrigation. I can drive heavy machinery, uh, quite a variety of, of things there, landscaping. And I'm grateful for everything I've learned and all of the skills I've acquired through these other occupations. But I never felt fulfilled on a creative level. And all of those tradesmen's skills have their place and are so important. And yet I never felt like any of them were truly mine, so to speak. And I was very inspired by visionary artists and artwork that I'd seen at music festival and psychedelics and drawn to geometric artwork. And so I decided I was going to be an artist and I started doodling and doing some small drawings and they weren't very good. And then I was visiting my grandmother in Cape Town, South Africa. And I had a lot of time on my hands and I found in the basement of her house, some very old grass paper. And I took it upstairs and asked if I could have it. And she said, of course. And I sat at her uh, lounge table, which is a very beautiful table. My grandmother is now passed and we actually have this table that was hers. And an artist friend of hers made the table and it was a very thick hardwood table. And I sat at it and filled in the squares on the graph paper and spent maybe six hours or so on a single piece of artwork. And it turned out pretty good. And I, I was I was like, I actually like this, huh? So I did that the following days and I posted it to my Instagram. And some of my friends were like, oh, that's really cool. Wow, I didn't know you made art or didn't know you drew. And I was like, you know, got a little bit of confidence from that. And was like, cool, I'm going to keep keep making art right now. I had a lot of a lot of time to spend the days. I was hanging out with my grandmother, of course, but she was quite old. And so I had a lot of time on my hands. And I started drawing the Asanoa pattern one day. And I finished this drawing of the pattern. And I realized that in the table, the wooden table upon which I was working, there was triangular it was it was carved into the table triangles that were fragmented but they were asanoa pattern and they were in the same shape as the asanoa pattern and i didn't know if it was the table that had maybe inspired me or if it was just some coincidence or synchronicity but that was really cool it's screaming for this polymath of a person finds polygons yes that is Fairly amazing. Now, were you already a Bitcoiner at that point? I had already known about Bitcoin. I don't know if I officially was a Bitcoiner at that point. I, I've always been a Bitcoiner. I, I found out about Bitcoin.
point in 2017, I was paid for some work I had done in the cannabis industry in Bitcoin. Unfortunately, I sold most of it as I treated it just as currency, which I kind of like to think was actually a Bitcoiner thing to do. I was like, cool, that's money. Sweet. I'll take it as payment. And then I spent the money. Looking back, of course, I wish I had huddled it, but that was my uh, that was my first introduction to Bitcoin, and I went on to uh, attempt to buy some shit coins. I never traded them heavily, but I speculatively invested in some shit coins. It didn't work out very well, and so I stayed very interested in Bitcoin, but I kind of I didn't start studying, and so I kind of came in and out until about two years ago in the 2021 bull run there was a lot of action going on and a friend of mine was like you really gotta like look at bitcoin again more deeply and so that's when i began my official bitcoiner studies and became a bitcoin maximalist dig it and having made a similar path class attempt 2017 it was hard not to dabble in 2017 charlie lee had has such great plans. Such a <laughs> <laughs> fucker. Anyway, digging in deep and trying to get your head around this stuff. Simultaneously now, though, you have this artistic uh, side. How did those begin to merge? Brecky sold that Bitcoin V sculpture. And I went, wow. I had now been doing art for a solid two going on three years and had sold a fair handful of paintings to friends and family and some of my Instagram followers. And so I was slowly moving along in my art career, art journey. And that same good friend who encouraged me to study Bitcoin more deeply actually showed me the sculpture Brecky had sold and was like, you've got to make some Bitcoin art. Look at this. Like people want Bitcoin art. You've got to do it. Try and make some Bitcoin art. And I was like, wow, okay, what am I going to make? What is Bitcoin art? Really? How am I going to conceptualize Bitcoin? That is a daunting task. One of the first pieces that I don't know the context or the timing in which this happened for you. But you have a piece where the Piazza Noha pattern is breaking up, almost like the pieces of a block are, are forming, which I think very successfully does that. I actually made that before I started officially making Bitcoin art. I like to think that's because I've always been actually making Bitcoin art uh, because Bitcoin is so thoroughly riddled with mathematical precision and geometric artwork is all based upon that a very similar mathematical precision, which is the same as the mathematical precision and truth. Ultimately, it's mathematical truth that creates all of this life around us. I definitely struggled for a bit to conceptualize and still do struggle to conceptualize Bitcoin art in a more OPSEC fashion. I prefer to try and make it more if you know, you know, or, you know, try to think outside of the box here and not just do the main uh, regular mimetic or symbology that we see in a lot of the Bitcoin artwork, which is awesome and has its place. But how do we push it further than that? How do we make it more offset? How do we make it truly fine art that's completely related to Bitcoin? But if someone who maybe doesn't know Bitcoin sees it, they would have no idea. That is sort of the classic challenge for any conceptual work, right? Where Bitcoin is this unbelievably dense, highly technical, revolutionary, divine, messianic entity, how do you bring and encapsulate with aesthetics some pretty profound ideas? Right? So far, I think you're doing fantastically. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. Like, like I do think you've got this wonderful OPSEC, this deeply aesthetic tradition that is touching on 
whether it's the numerology or, or other things. So actually, we should play with that a little bit. I know that the numerology figures in to your work. Can you maybe elaborate and tell us more about that? Yeah, so that kind of came about by accident or let's just say synchronicity. I had been struggling with how do I take my geometric artwork and present it as Bitcoin artwork. I had done some Bitcoin pieces, very simple stuff. I did the Guy Fox mask and I called it Guy Satoshi Daijin. I did the Infinity 21 in it, but I wrote the million with Daiji, which is a complex form of writing kanji numbers used to deter forgers from altering the simpler kanji numbers. And I had written Satoshi in two kanji characters that I really liked the meaning of. And so I felt like that was good Bitcoin art. There was quite a bit that I had to say about it. And I did a pill that had the same symbology in it, and it was a golden orange pill cure to the spiritual malaise caused by the time theft of our life force energy being stolen by cantillionaires. And then, of course, the guy Fox mask is borderless of no color nor creed. I mean, the Bitcoiners have taken that one up. That's just always gone hand in hand. Neither of them, you know, significantly original, but I did them in my own style. And I actually went to Bitcoin Miami 2022 and got a really good reception, sold some paintings of them, some prints. Anyways, I've been trying to figure out how to how to connect the geometric artwork that I have a deep passion for to the Bitcoin artwork. And there was this thread, there, there is a thread on Twitter by Level 39 that goes into a lot of the numerology within Bitcoin and how there's all of these digital roots, three, six, and nine within Bitcoin. Nikola Tesla said, uh, if only you knew the meaning of three, six, and nine, you would have a key to the universe or something like that. So I started researching that and how three is and three, six, and nine are these kind of magical numbers within all of life itself from uh, a, a very, very large variety of things. As I'm sure anybody listening uh, can connect them to. We don't need to go all the way down that, but uh, look up three, six, and nine if you haven't. Now, some people say this is just a mathematical phenomenon. And other people seem to find some deeper meaning in it. There's people who think when they see 1111 on their phone, it means, you know, you're in the right place at the right time or, ooh, angel numbers. But there's also people who are just like, oh, it's coincidence. You looked at your phone at 1111. It happens two times a day or whatever. So <laughs> It's like Marty loves his palindrome blocks. Exactly. So, I mean, we got to, I think we'd have to agree most Bitcoiners like 420 and 69. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I had a, a hunch that there was a lot of three, six, and nine within sacred geometry, or not a hunch, but I mean, I had read some about that. And then I looked at the Asanoa pattern and I was like, those are triangles. And all of the angles of the triangles have digital roots of three, six, or nine. Of the entire, all of them added together is a digital root of three, six, and nine. Hexagon, all of their angles, 120 degrees each angle, that's a digital root of three. You add all of the hexagons angles together and you get a digital root of nine i believe and i had this painting that i had done of the asanoa pattern and i was like wow this is completely full of three six and nine bitcoin's completely full of three six and nine and so i felt like that was a pretty good connection it was enough enough for me at least on an artistic ephemeral kind of spiritual level <laughs> to present it as that I like that spiritual level. And I think that there's a tendency to shy away from that in many circles. Let's not even discuss modern art in terms of its money laundering idiocy that seems to prevail. You're working in a deep tradition of uh, the Asanoha. You're clearly tuned in 
to the aesthetic numerology, let's call it. I mean, look, photographers are deeply steeped in the rule of thirds, just the simplest, most basic composition. But the three graces mm -hmm. existed with Greek mythology to encapsulate and anthropomorphize what was beautiful. I, I think that space, the profundity of the Greeks and their thoughtfulness around beauty and aesthetics is exactly where you're picking up. Absolutely. There is undeniable scientific or mathematical proof of the measurements of your face, your ears that you're listening to this podcast, or someone may be listening to this podcast with right now, architecture from the Greeks to up until today is thoroughly riddled with what they call sacred geometry. And Bitcoin is chock full of it. And I think that there's something to be said for that, specifically because Bitcoin itself is transcending humanity's flaws in a monetary system and, and in forms of monetary systems. And that regardless of what religion or ideology you come from, we all kind of are coming together here and agreeing that Bitcoin is ultimate truth. And that truth is based upon mathematics. Yeah, there's no hiding that. I think that it's almost the simplicity of an ultimate truth that becomes difficult for the wordsmiths to find appropriate metaphors. And I think it's equally challenging for the aesthetically minded, the artists, to riff on that, on something so profound. Are you challenged to kind of deal with, the, with truth in artwork? Yes and no. I would say I've I had a, was blessed to have an amazing mother and father growing up, and they taught me the importance of integrity and morality from a very young age. And I feel like that's followed me for the most part throughout my life. And I've always had a strong desire or a strong need for justice. And long before I ever knew anything about Bitcoin, I knew there was a lot to this world that was not as it seems and knew a lot of the extents of the corruption that existed. And once I understood Bitcoin, once it clicked, I felt as though more or less I understood all of that that surrounds it and, and what it means to have a form of money that's based on that, that truth. Trying to conceptualize it as an artist, very difficult, but also exciting and challenging in a fun way. And I also think it's very truthfully depicted through geometric artwork. Yeah, I like that. You're allowing the mystical, mathematical potentiality inside each one of your photographs to sit quietly on a wall and seep into the consciousness of the unsuspecting. It's good OPSEC for the Bitcoiner who's purchased it. And yet it theoretically is working its magic on the unsuspecting. Absolutely. Especially the tessellations or like the one that you spoke of earlier that's breaking apart. It does have some conceptual value as well. Like the mempool is filling, the different nodes are connecting. I've heard, you know, many people have commented on Bitcoin's nodal network being very similar to a mycelial network. You know, you see a lot of geometry when you eat mycelium. So <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Knut Stanholm said recently, we are Bitcoin. Yeah, that's his, his beautiful essay. Is it I am Bitcoin? We are geometry and we are Bitcoin. I love it. Look, I think we'll, we're going to have to keep wrestling with this. You certainly are. I want to 
reel it back a little bit to the second part of your Twitter handle, which is gold, and the material in which much of your work is made from. What is the allure of gold for you? Black and gold looks really cool. <laughs> Damn. So pure aesthetics? It's, it stands out. It stands out. As an artist, I think there's a lot of challenge. There's so much art that's made. And when you find something that stands out and that you think looks cool, you kind of run with it. I think that's been part of it. I feel like I've done a good job branding. But uh, I think that I got the idea initially. I have some friends I used to go to Burning Man with, and we would camp together, and they would spray paint stuff gold, rocks, and put them out in the little street, or you know, spray paint a bike gold or squirt guns, play around with them. And I, I think that was my initial inspiration for the black and gold. I found some gold paint pens that I really like to use, and I just was kind of drawn to different gold paints. And I haven't done a lot of work with gold leaf. I'm looking forward to doing that, and I will in the near future here. But I've enjoyed just using gold paint. I think that there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek about stuff that's gold but isn't real gold. People like shiny stuff. And then it's a, definitely a dog whistle to 1971 and us being taken off the gold standard pretty much globally through all of that and how gold failed because of corrupt people. And I don't think that gold itself failed us. Some Bitcoiners really like to say gold failed. And I think that it's people failed. The gold's been fine. It was the best form of money up until Bitcoin was created. And I'm pretty sure Bitcoin wouldn't exist without the gold that's used in computer parts, computer boards. Gold has been a very spiritual and powerful element throughout history from a very long time ago, and it still is today. And I think that just disowning gold because it's been monopolized and is now controlled and isn't as good of a form of money, I think that uh, Bitcoiners still need to have an appreciation for gold. And there's something about the fact that you can touch gold. It's, this is such a controversial thing, but you can still touch gold. And I know that the whole internet's not just going to go down. But from a survivalist standpoint, probably is a good idea to have a little bit of gold in a fractional form in your go bag. <laughs> a tip for folks out there, my wife's a goldsmith and makes jewelry. No one argues it's an appropriate use of gold, but that you can buy it. <laughs> you can buy granules of gold. They're like little little crack baggies of, <laughs> of gold granules. Shiny gold, shiny rock, shiny rock baggies. <laughs> Which makes for perfectly good fractional gold use. And, and look, as an aesthetic, gold is unrivaled. I think you're safe there. And I think it's fun for Bitcoiners who are constantly talking about single points of failure. Uh, should Bitcoin fail? Why not revert to the the one that's got 4,000 years? Gold's going to be the next. I'm pretty sure it's the next best thing. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it there. I'll, I also think it's kind of funny when I sell a piece of gold artwork to a Bitcoiner. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it, I think it looks really good. People seem to like it. It's definitely, though, uh, it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. So... I thought about changing my Twitter handle and my website and taking the gold out of it. So it's just because of the controversy around gold and just trying to laser focus on Bitcoin. But I, uh, you know, maybe I'll keep it. I think it is also paying homage to all of the artistry that's been created with it. So 
such as your wife, who's a jeweler, and how important jewelry is as a form of art. You're going to love working with Goldleaf. Goldleaf is a ton of fun. It's the purest, most beautiful element out there uh, that never decays. It's, it's a really fun thing to work with in art. I keep it. It is. It never decays. Your Bitcoin will never decay. Your gold will never tarnish or decay or shouldn't tarnish or decay. I can see a lot of your work here, like a deep tradition of the Asanoha pattern, using an element synonymous with beauty and now elevating it for this new base layer of humanity's you know, next great leap forward. It's probably good to have the grounding, aesthetic grounding, uh, to take us into these uncharted territories that are going to be tumultuous. Yes. We're paying homage to the past, and we are also using it, or I, I would like to say I'm using it as a reminder of the failures of the past. And so let's not let what happened to gold happen to Bitcoin. Yeah. Because even though you may not, or some people may not like it to be called this, Bitcoin is futuristic digital gold in layman's terms. That is the best way I believe to describe it to a pre-coiner. What is Bitcoin? It's futuristic digital gold. I mean, I, I, of course, it's so much more than that. And that's, you know, that's, that's why I say layman's terms. Yeah. I mean, Satoshi mentioned something to that effect in the white paper, right? Imagining a, a gray, a gray rock, right? That you could email or something like that. Yeah. If Satoshi wasn't afraid of it, neither should we. I'm going to probably get some flack for the, all this gold talk. <laughs> ah, screw it. It's in your handle. It's in your, it's your medium. And I really do think that we're, uh, we're talking about it aesthetically and beautifully. It leads me to the idea of the politics of all this stuff, even just, just contemporary politics. I think you've successfully stepped above that into the realm of the divine, into these deeply spiritual aspect of the role of art and what Bitcoin could be doing for us. Not that everything isn't political, but you can get mired and mixed up and quickly trapped at the role of traditional politics. When we step up above into a role of aesthetics, spirituality, you're much safer there. Absolutely. Are you comfortable with words like divine and Bitcoin? I am. Personally, I am. I think that Satoshi is the mathematical messiah. And that Bitcoin is the new scripture. I know that's also a controversial topic, but if, you know, there was, I think there's been many returns of messiahs over the ages. And I would say that this is a pretty profound version of that or could be perceived as a version of that. A mysterious person or entity brought uh, undeniable truth and gave it to humanity. And I think it's really amazing. It's transcending all borders or ideologies or religions, and it's going straight to the most foundational basis of everything, which if you look at something from a singularity and duality perspective, duality being this human experience, this universe and everything that's happening, right and wrong, good and bad, day and night, etc. that's the dualistic experience. And then singularity would be the source and would be the nothingness pre-Big Bang or God or whatever you want to call that nothingness and this is the everythingness and simple mathematics are the bridge almost between that singularity and duality and are the very most basic truth on a scientific truly base level making up all of this and to me that is god and money based on that that 
along with the money teaches you so many things, proof of work, integrity, morality, all of the things that come with Bitcoin and learning about Bitcoin. It's given me a new lease on life. And I know there's a lot of other people who feel that way. It's given me hope for humanity. It's given me what a lot of religions give to people, or at least the good things in religions, or what they're supposed to give to people, which is something to believe in for your children's children's future. And they make you want to go out in the world and make the world a better place. You know, I mean, isn't that what religion is supposed to be? So that's how I feel about Bitcoin. And that's how Bitcoin makes me feel. Of course, Bitcoin is not a religion. Bitcoin maximalism is not a cult. Bitcoin is money for your enemies. And Bitcoin doesn't fucking care what we think it is or what we, what we try and say it is or, or, or what we conceptualize it as in art. And that's beautiful too, because that's actually, funnily enough, kind of super godly. Because like, I don't know, does God really care what, how any of this turns out? And are these all just our human fabrications of what things are supposed to be or how they're supposed to be? And it's Bitcoin's like nature. So to me, nature is God. And <laughs> he goes kind of on and on. The divine without dogma, that can be a pretty liberating place. Exactly. Uh, for, for philosophers and for artists. Truly. And yet, I sometimes wonder if we are culturally, we seem unmoored and adrift for any number of reasons, not the least of which is a, a debased, degraded money. So our base layer is, has been destroyed. And now here we are again, reforming. It's the, it's the Acropolis on top of which we'll build the Parthenon. The arts are going to be a way to kind of reground humanity. And you're playing a role in that. Uh, renaissance of sorts, I think a lot of people see it as or would like to see it as or hope for it to be not just in the arts, but in almost every facet of society can be tied to Bitcoin and a reform of some sorts or a, a new, I don't know, a new era of human existence and life on earth. It's always hard for the, an artist in the moment to name their school or for us to sort of see ourselves in the larger context. I think Renaissance 2.0 is a reasonable starting point. And then artists by their nature are always sort of pushing envelopes, gently or profoundly pushing the culture out of its malaise. Time will tell, of course. It's a little like the cathedral metaphor. If Bitcoin is the cathedral, we might just be pouring the foundation. Generations from now, we'll have this finished thing to admire and look at. I wonder in that metaphor where you think we are and what role you might be playing. I, I, have, I have no idea. I, uh, <laughs> sometimes I hope we're all, you know, I hope we're all here tomorrow with how crazy everything is. And I think that it's so important to just be nice and be kind and give thanks for each step forward that we're making and, and pushing through and envisioning a citadel that awaits that is decorated with proof of work, and not the fiat garbage that our society is so thoroughly littered with. Everybody's so programmed to continually consume and create in almost every artistic area has been completely co-opted by fiat mentality. So maybe through Bitcoin, we can take back a lot of artistic fields and they can be treated with the reverence and respect that art truly deserves. Wow, man. Like that's the dream, really. I mean, it's why I started talking to artists. It was the that chapter from Seyfedean about modern art that 
irked me, and yet he was <laughs> right. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> well, I mean, like you you've said it right there. That's the dream, right? Yeah. To make art that smashes through the nonsense and lives for the ages. Yes. And in, in so many areas, I mean, the architecture is just the buildings that we've been building. They're just fast, cheap, and ugly. And you look back through so many parts of history at the beautiful structures that were created. And so it would be really awesome if moving forward, more and more of society could begin building things that are built to last and are built with proof of work and are built with care, with aesthetics taken into consideration. I really like a lot of Japanese artwork and Japanese architecture because I feel like there are still some cultures, Japanese, one of them, that haven't entirely lost an appreciation for basic aesthetics, basic feng shui, or, or just placing things in nice places and things that look nice. We were just in Japan, and these people are magical. They can just put a branch in a vase against a wall, and it's like a revelation. Yeah, yeah. It's... I live in Texas now and I love Texas and I love what Texas stands for. And I was living in the state of Jefferson, Southern Oregon before this. And I love what that stands for. There's so many good things here in the country, in the U S but the architecture is not one of them <laughs> and the roads and the streets and the places you go, the, the way that it's all been designed. So it's really ugly and it's just, it's not nice to look at a lot of it. So I hope that Bitcoin helps make the world more aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> hey, well, from your lips to God's ears, I, I think there's another two ideas that you talked about, not just aesthetic, but it was more in the realm of kindness and honesty. I think that that too is encapsulated inside the Bitcoiner. And uh, I wondered if you have any thoughts on that. Definitely. I think that once hyper-Bitcoinization is achieved and we're all functioning on a Bitcoin standard and the rules of the game are even. It's not going to solve rich and poor. It's not going to solve inequality. And that doesn't need to be solved because I don't believe that's healthy in a true free market capitalist economy. But I feel that once we're at a state or a stage where the rules are even, it'll make everybody's lives a lot easier because you will receive true value for what you do, the whole value for value. And I believe that people will be able to have their basic needs more, I don't want to say easily met, but more definitively met. And I think that'll just make people a lot kinder. And I think that if we could all be a little kinder to each other, it would make this whole experience a lot easier. And that the fiat system has just created such a divide between everybody in every way possibly imaginable, topping it off with... Now we are divided by those who got the injection and those who didn't. But I mean, on every level, politically, on what we define a woman as, we are just torn families and friends and communities are just on the opposite sides of fences in every possible matter imaginable currently. And it's just created such a level of desperation that I really think people are just existing from a very lizard brain reactionary state throughout most of their days. Even if people don't understand the way the money system works and don't 
understand that inflation is robbing them of their time minute after minute. I think they can feel it and subconsciously they know and that creates just such a hasteful, fearful, fight or flight state, not to mention everybody's on drugs of some kind, whether it be pharmaceuticals or just recreational or coffee or sugar or alcohol. Everybody is living from, or the majority of people, I think worldwide, are living from very desperate, chemically imbalanced states. And if we can start eating healthy food again, and we can start creating things that are built to last, and our time is not being continually robbed from us, we'll all just naturally become a lot kinder and create things that are beautiful. (laughs) I love it. I I can see your work on the walls of the people who have achieved that kind of Zen. All the fragmentation comes into a symmetry. Yeah. Plus good OPSEC. Thank you. I like to call my artwork fine art of the remnant for your citadel walls. So (laughs) that's the goal. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I think we could venture off into uh, woo-woo fair for hours here. And I know that your journey, your artistic journey, is uh, years ahead of us too. So I look forward to watching your work unfold. Check out that gold leaf stuff, all the rest of it. And I wish you the best. But I know that you're also a passionate Bitcoiner with a message that really does matter as well. You want to share it? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I just want to remind everybody that's listening how important it is to self-custody private Bitcoin, aka non-KYC Bitcoin, on an air-gapped cold storage hardware wallet, and to learn how to use coin mixers and coin joins and to promote that to their friends and family. Because I truly believe that right now we are the remnant and the masses don't matter. There's an excellent article by Alexander Svetsky on Bitcoin Magazine called Bitcoiners are the Remnant, the Masses Don't Matter. And it touches on Isaiah's job by Albert J. Nock, which was introduced to him by Francis Bullio. And so I think that right now we are the remnant and it's really important that we strongly encourage all of our friends and family to acquire private Bitcoin and to learn how to use it. None of us know what hyper-Bitcoinization or larger commercial adoption of Bitcoin is going to look like. And unfortunately, chances are it's going to be a very highly custodial situation that we're functioning in. As much as we don't want it to be that, it seems like that very likely will be the case for a large quantity of the people out there. And that I think it's really, really important that there is a sufficient amount of people with coin-joined Bitcoin and non-KYC Bitcoin so that we don't get coin-joined Bitcoin doesn't get blacklisted from services. And I don't know if it's possible to emphasize that more. You dropped a lot of bombs there for the uninitiated, but in terms of no KYC and all the rest of it, but I think we'll put some links to Stefan Lavera and that article and we'll do our best for those who are curious and motivated to get on board. That would be awesome. It makes me think of your corn piece because it's it's very obvious it's Bitcoin corn. It's the it's the the meme that corn is in it is so many things. It's non KYC. It's it's. Uh, do you want to eat? Do you want your children to eat organically grown heirloom corn, or do you want them to be eating genetically modified Monsanto corn? That analogy could be applied to a lot of things in life and in Bitcoin. So so self-custody, private Bitcoin on an air-gapped cold storage device. And feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. 
anybody listening on what that means. That's very sweet. And uh, all that we talked about today, we'll put in the show notes as well. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. I, I look forward to seeing what, what comes of your efforts uh, and to meeting in person one day. Thank you for having me here, giving me a platform to ramble on. And I appreciate you doing what you're doing and all of the work that you've done. I was checking out some of your work online and it's very, very amazing. It's really, really phenomenal. So I did not know who you were at first, but I looked you up and was like, wow. <laughs> so um, very, very inspirational and uh, very good for a fledgling artist to know that the dream is possible. So Well, man, I, I'm, I'm steeped in a very commercial world, but the the Rebel Moon poster that just came out, I was dying to kind of mess with the orange moon star thing behind it and throw a big Bitcoin logo on it. But I thought I don't want to risk my next gig. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get away with it really faintly? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's the, the artist bane is where we're always we're having to balance our our passions with audience with clients, with all of, you know, all those things. So uh, yeah, if I can help people navigate that, let alone the deeply conceptually challenging ideas behind Bitcoin, uh, I'm all about it. All right. At the very least, you've got to make a version with the Bitcoin B in it and just post it on Twitter. Don't tag or say anything. So would you get in trouble for that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. For a long time, it was a name on Twitter and, and you know, just lurking yeah. uh, Bitcoin Twitter but no more. So maybe I'll just wear my colors on my sleeve or whatever the hell the expression is. <laughs> my orange sleeve. Cheers, my brother. Thank you again. Cheers. To the orange glowing light. Towards the orange glowing light. The golden orange. The golden orange light. The golden orange light. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much. There you have it. I'll put links to us and Noah's various online incarnations in the show notes. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review The Bitcoin Muse in your favorite podcast app. Perhaps come on over to the Value for Value model by listening on the Fountain or Breeze apps. That'll help me, and by default, 10% split off to the efforts and the folks at OpenSats. Thank you to my brother Brandt for the music. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks again to Asan Noha for sharing his time, energy, and ideas on The Bitcoin Muse. Onward.